I um, have shared before that I love sports, most any kind. But I grew up in Indiana, and basketball was the first love. There's a rule that was in place in basketball. It has since been changed somewhat. But it was a rule that said if one player fouled another player intentionally, it was a bigger penalty. Now, there's some stuff now, especially in the pros, where there's a flagrant 1, 2, 3, 12, 15, something like that. But this was just to the discretion of the referees that if you fouled someone and it was deemed to be on purpose that you thought I want to foul them and the referees thought so then they called an intentional foul it resulted as I recall in a technical which meant that not only did that person get to shoot free throws the other team got to shoot free throws and depending on where you were, they might get the ball out also. So it was a really big deal if you did it intentionally. Now, the truth was the referees, for the most part, were guessing. Because to be honest, any of you that played or have played or are playing in that sport know that there's a whole lot more intentional than ever gets called intentional. And part of the reason they changed that rule was it put too much pressure on the referees to make that determination. So then it simply became, was it flagrant? Was it above and beyond normal play? But what about how you live? How intentional are you in how you live? There's the idea that we don't get to choose what happens to us in life. And yet, for the most part, we get to choose. Oh, I'm not talking about whether I got sick or not or whether, you know, it was the other person's fault in an accident. I mean, as living our life, we do what we do because of what we have chosen to do. Now, Every child is going, no, 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 no. That's not true. My sister made me do it. My brother made me do it. Every employee, no, no, no. My attitude is that way because my boss made it that way. And every spouse, oh, we won't go there. But how about in how you live in following Christ. How intentional are you in following Jesus? How intentional are you in doing what he has said you should do or not do? So this morning we're taking a look at this, that it's time to live intentionally. And in your Bibles or the Bibles in the seat in front of you or on your devices, going to be taking a look in the Old Testament to the book of Joshua. I love reading the book of Joshua. 
part of it is, because if you go in the beginning of that book and you see that Joshua became the leader of the Israelites, God's chosen people at that time, and he did it following Moses, who God himself said was the greatest leader he had ever had or ever would have. Yeah, let me follow that person. Joshua had been his assistant and now was the one leading. And, but what I love is how intentional Joshua was in what he did. In not only following, but also in leading. And in the last chapter of the book of Joshua, chapter 24, we see him addressing the nation, the people. And he deals with this, this thing of intentionality. To understand what he means. You see, we have a choice. How you live is a choice. And the choice is your choice. There's a lot of stuff that happens to us, but how you really live is your choice. So let me ask you, for the first of many times this morning, how are you choosing to live? What choice are you making? Now, we often accuse the circumstances in our lives of making us live the way we live. But the truth is, the way we live is chosen by us. The old thing I remember as a kid when making a poor choice and being confronted by my parents. It's called discipline. It should be reborn, I think, a little more. And sometimes it's like, why did you do that? Well, because, and it was always someone else's fault. True confession. But I also know beyond a shadow of a doubt that every one of you would have to raise your hand if we asked that's what you did. And for those of us who were born before Google, we remember our parents often saying to us at that moment, you know the line, don't you? Well, if your friends jumped off the cliff, would you jump off the cliff too? It's like, no, I'm not an idiot. Unless it was into a body of water, then I would. That'd be fun. My parents never appreciated when I added those little side comments. I was not an easy child to raise. My parents had many crowns, many jewels in their crowns in heaven just because they survived me. That's a whole lot more true than you have any idea. <laughs> but the whole point of their question was, it's your choice. Sure, your friend did it. Sure, they suggested it to you, maybe. But why did you do it? And it never worked. Maybe it did for you. Never one time did it work for me to go, well, because, and to point. My parents would then say, but I'm not his parent. I'm yours. And in that moment, I wish they were his parent. 
given what was about to happen. But you see, they were teaching me early on, it's my intentions. What did I choose? That's what matters. You see, circumstances have an impact in our lives, but they do not dictate how we live. Let me repeat that. Circumstances have an impact in our lives, but they do not dictate how we live. But I've been marinating over this fact and have mentioned it a couple times in recent months. You either accept things the way they currently are or you begin to change them. Either way, the choice is yours. Take a look with me in the scripture. Joshua chapter 24, beginning of verse 14. This is Joshua's kind of final speech to the nation. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is evil or unacceptable is an appropriate translation. In your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Don't, don't stay there. It gets better, okay? It says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having, excuse me, after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. Incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote those words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up under the terebinth, and that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Let me give you a couple of overview points. 
He did not say that God cannot forgive, but that he would not if you don't follow him. It's the evidence that you've confessed that you are seeking to follow him. He also used a bit of psychology as a leader when they said, we'll serve the Lord. And he said, I don't think you can. And he referenced the history of the nation and the poor choices they had made intentionally, though they always blamed the land of Egypt for it. But what I love is the conclusion of this. They set up a stone, and it's not something we're used to doing now, but they would set up markers. They would set something up, and just because whatever it might be, they would declare, this is the reminder to us of the choice we've made. There were times it was an altar. There were times it was simply a pile of rocks. There, there were times that it was other things. But always then, and they were to teach their children and their children's children, that that's what this meant. So anytime you went by it, you were reminded. It's kind of like driving past the old home you grew up in or were a kid in. I remember telling my kids all about this one house that where my dad had pastored in Auburn, Indiana, and how they bought a different parsonage while we were there, and we moved into this parsonage. And I said it was absolutely mammoth. And the yard was like five extra yards, and the trees were huge. And I would climb to the top of these trees and could see through the whole town and on and on and on. I said we could have a basketball game going, a baseball game going, a football game going, and still have another yard to play in. And I took my son when he was in sixth or seventh grade. We happened to be near there. And I said, I want to drive you past. I haven't been by this in a while. And I drove him past. And it had changed. The yard shrunk. The trees. The house. And I'll never forget <laughs> driving by. And Todd said, this is the place you've told us about? I go, yeah. He goes, impressive, Dad. I passed on the gift of sarcasm to my kids. And I'm going, I, I remember it a lot different. He goes, which one of these trees did you climb and could see over the whole town? I said, they must have cut that one down. I don't see it. Joshua was reminding them of what had happened in the past. And he was saying, you're either going to stay there or choose to make a change. But it must be intentional. It doesn't happen by accident or osmosis. We have to choose for ourselves, which comes down to that clarifying question again. How are you choosing to live your life? The first choice we must make, verses 14 through 18 tells us, is we have to choose who you will follow and serve. Joshua said at the end of verse 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He has said, you need to choose. Who are you going to serve? If it's not God, 
Well, then admit that and then choose who you're going to choose. Part of it was he was saying, be honest. Are you going to follow him or not? And if you are, then follow him. Don't pretend to follow him and then live differently. I mean, how would you finish the phrase that Joshua used in verse 15? If you were writing it today, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you were writing it today, as for me and my house, we will, what would yours say? By current evidence, what would it say? That's the choice we must make, how we're going to live. We looked last week at the beauty of the fact that God calls us his child if we choose to follow him. But Joshua also points out the fact that we have to keep following. We don't get to just say it and then go do our own thing. How are we living? And Joshua made this statement, and you know, I was reading this for weeks now. I intended to preach this a couple of weeks ago, and the Lord changed that. just kept asking, how would I finish that sentence? And I want to finish it the exact same way that Joshua did. I want to be able to say, I will serve the Lord. And I will lead my house, my family, those around me to serve the Lord. I can't make them, but I can lead them. And so can you. You cannot make the choice for others, but you can impact them. As my grandpa used to say, you, can, you might be able to lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, but you can salt his oats. You can make him thirsty. By how we live, making people thirsty for God, to want to know what's different. Why are you this way? Why are you making that choice, not making this choice? And Joshua made that declaration. It was not a dictatorship in his home, but it was this is my choice and this is how I will lead. This is how I will impact. This is how I will influence. So you must choose first and foremost who you will follow and serve. And it's a pretty big decision to make. In fact... It's life or death, literally. I watched a testimony this morning. It was one I was familiar with. It was like a church we used to serve in, and a, a gentleman, we had gotten a prayer request uh, three or four months ago now asking for prayer because while on vacation in Florida, he had a massive heart attack face down in the water on the beach and none of his family was around and they came up upon the scene, saw the scene and didn't realize it was him because the people described him much different and it took like a couple of hours for them to realize it was him and what they had been told when they got there and said, what's going on? And said, well, a guy had a heart attack and died. So they got to the hospital finally expecting to be told that. He wasn't dead, but he was on life support and it was the only thing keeping him alive and three days later 
His wife walked into the hospital room to him sitting there with no breathing tube, no life support, and he said hi. And he was giving a witness in that church this morning. I watched it. But what I loved is after they told that story of the physical healing, he said, I want to tell you, that's not the first time I've been healed. He said, 17 years ago, I made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior to say, I will serve him. And he said, that was the greater healing than the one that took place in March. How would you finish that sentence this morning? As for me, right here, right now, I will There's also another choice. If you've then made the decision of who you will follow, the next choice is you have to answer how you will follow and serve. In other words, the intentionality, how will I then live? That's why Joshua challenged them and said in verse 19, you're not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. And they're going, yes, we can. Yes, we will. In other words, you have to choose how you're going to serve, how you're going to follow. Joshua chose, I'm choosing, I hope you're choosing to obediently follow. And as I was working on this this week, it struck me and going, I don't think it's possible to disobediently follow. That's a contradiction. Well, I'm following. I'm just not doing what they want. Well, then you're not following. Times when I was coaching and whatever sport it was, when you would call a timeout and call a timeout and say, here's what we're going to do, and my team would go back on the floor, and then sometimes they didn't do what we had just talked about. The most frustrating thing of that was to hear parents behind me going, what a dumb play. I can't believe you called that play. And I want to turn around and go, what a dumb kid. That's not what I told him to do. You might now know why I'm no longer coaching. I didn't do that, but I wanted to. But it was all about choice and intentionality. For you see, they didn't follow what I had given. And how many times have I done that to God? Lord, I'm following you. I'm just doing it my way. Well, then I'm not following. To follow means follow obediently. That means choosing. That's why we talk so much about being the Word, know the Word. That's why the ladies' Bible study is so powerful. The youth study that's starting tonight, the men's time gathering together. It's what's the Word say? And then let's do what the Word says. Also, if you're going to choose to follow and serve him obediently, then you need to commit to follow closely. Have you ever, especially before GPS, remember following someone somewhere in your car? And part of the thing is whoever is in front needs to make sure you can still see them because if they can't see you, they can't follow you. In other words, you need to be close enough to see them and not so close that you run into them. At least I never liked that. 
The same thing is true in following Christ. He never gets too far ahead of us. We just don't always follow close enough to see him. But if I'm going to follow obediently, I need to make sure I'm close enough, close enough in his word, close enough in times of prayer, close enough with other believers, close enough to know so that I can follow closely. I've shared with you before that the Old Testament, the concept of following a teacher or a rabbi, and I don't remember what the exact Hebrew word was, but it, it was to follow close enough that the dust, because they wore sandals, dirt roads, nothing paved, and so when you walk, the, especially like we've had the dryness, everything's dusty, and as you walk, dust kicks up. And the admonition to someone following that rabbi would be, may you follow close enough that their dust gets on you. Well, let me ask you this morning, how dusty are you? I don't mean because you're old or something like that. I mean, how close are you following him so that what he's doing is getting on you? I can't do it if I don't know what he desires. And I can't do it if I'm not close enough to see what he desires. And I can't do it if I'm doing my own thing. And to be able to do that, he tells them then in verse 23, put away the foreign gods. In other words, remove anything that hinders following Jesus. Get rid of it. Walk away from it. Turn it off. Put it away. Don't go there. And this is a continuing obedience. That means I have to intentionally make some decisions to follow close enough to know what should be removed. And at times that changes as different things change in our life as new things come along. What do you need to remove today? What do you need to get away from, turn off or turn on so that you can keep following closely? And then this one surprised me as I'm studying this. I was like, why didn't I think of this before that this is a part of this process? That is that we need to publicly share that we're following. I, I talk about that, but this one just hit me differently. And where I see that is when Joshua, they got the stone and he said, this stone shall be a witness against us. In other words, a witness to what we have declared. It's the record. And if I go against that, this stone will be evidence that I'm not choosing the right thing. It is a public declaration. About six or seven weeks ago, we had seven people get baptized, and baptism is a public testimony of what's already happened in their heart. And one of the things I talked to them about is that when you do that, you're now telling everybody, I'm a follower of Christ, which means people are looking and going, are you really following Christ? We need to publicly let people know. You know, it, you don't need to stand on a street corner. We saw some of that down in Indianapolis when we were at General Assembly, and that's not wrong. It's just not normally the way we're going to do it. We're going to do it by how we live, what we say, what we do, what we don't do. But when somebody asks, we go, because I follow Jesus. 
Let me come back to the pertinent question. How are you choosing to live your life? And how will you finish that sentence? As for me, I will. And is the evidence of how you're living matching the statement you claim? It's time for us to live intentionally according to God's word, according to his will and his way. It is possible and it's awesome. Is there anything you need to remove to be able to obediently follow? Is there anything you need to step away from so that you can follow closer? But start with who you've chosen to follow. Jesus, thank you for your word and its declaration. Thank you for the truth that's not always easy, that it's our choice. Lord, help us right now to just drop all the excuses that might be popping up in our hearts and minds and just answer, who are we choosing to follow? Are we following obediently? Are we close enough that we can even tell if we're being obedient? Are we letting others know? Are we showing it by our life and what we say? Lord, is there anything we need to change? Lord, I pray that you would continue to pursue us this week with those questions. And may we be to one another what we need to be to encourage, to be able to speak into, and to listen to what we need to say about who we are following. Lord, thank you for choosing us as your child. May we continue to choose you as our Lord. May we continue to choose to lead others in that way. In Jesus' name, amen.